You know, Swillian's deadly here. Just a little heads up that our best friends at Better Beer, partners of the Swillian, Core Lords Deluxe, are running a pretty massive treasure hunt that could make you over $46,000 richer. So during the month of July, Better Beer are giving you the chance to find two Bitcoins hidden in these specially marked cases of Better Beer Zero Carb cans all around Australia. Coinspot has hidden one inside a case of zero carb cans in BWS bottlers and another inside a case of zero carb cans at Dan Murphy's. So BWS and Dan Murphy's are the bottlers you want to go to to find these specially marked cartons. Each Bitcoin is valued at 46173 bucks and 4 cents as of June 29. So uh, that's what the Bitcoins are worth. You can't miss the cartons. They've got the little rocket ship, find the Bitcoin on the case, and um, they'll be in stores throughout July. And all you got to do is crack a tinny to see if you've won. The winning cans will give you the instructions on how to deem your prize. Good luck, mate. And um, as we always say here, you know, better be they're big contributors to Ain't That Swell. They keep our engines turning. More content, more programs, and just support the crew who support the potty, mate. It's that simple. Keeps us going. They could make you over $46,000 richer. That is pretty sick. You can get more details at betterbeer.com.au. Otherwise, see you at the BWS and Dan Murphy's. <laughs> mate. Ain't That Swell presents... Yes, welcome to Call Lords, presented by Better Beer. And today we're joined by an unsung hero of Anzac surfing. That's right, Ian Byrne is part of probably, yeah, I'd have to say definitely even, the most influential and important New Zealand surfing and shaping dynasty there ever was. Ian Byrne, you might know by the last name, is the little brother of Alan Byrne, the late, great Alan Byrne, an innovator of the channel bottom design and all manner of designs, really, as he blazed a trail through the 1970s and 1980s and well into the 1990s and beyond with incredible performances at Maxing Pipeline and, uh, yeah, just one of the all-time greats of surfing and shaping in the golden age when the world's best surfers were making the world's best surfboards. Uh, Now, AB, of course, was uh, taken from us far too soon. And this podcast was a chance to relive some of AB's exploits and adventures through the lens of his brother, Ian. Uh, Obviously, Alan doesn't have the chance to do this, and we never got to sit down and chat with the great AB. So, uh, you know, this is... In, in memory of and in tribute to the great AB. And it's also uh, a celebration of Ian's own journey, which is no less remarkable. A, a national Kiwi surf champ, a guy who did uh, some 19 consecutive seasons on the North Shore, many of which were with his brother, uh, who forged an incredible reputation there. And, you know, we're, we're talking like rolling with the heaviest crew on the North Shore, Marvin Foster, Mickey Nielsen, you know, getting called into maxing West Peak Sunset by these Hawaiian hellmen and, uh, you know, just some crazy insights uh, into the Wild West days of the North Shore in this one. And Ian, of course, now has the House of Burns shaping label run out of his garage, which I visited. And, man, it's as core and DIY and classic as you'll ever see. And, man, the crafts are fucking next level. Have a grok at them. Cop them twin fin curved channel designs and uh he's really on hard on the, the twin fin tip at the moment but uh he'll make anything you're interested in and you know this guy's shaping lineage and pedigree cannot be denied he's the protege of alan Byrne, you know rawson uh rabbage um he, i think what did 36 years at mount woodgy or something so uh yeah Suffice to say, his surfboards are world class, and this was a classic chat with an absolute gent. Yeah. 
Alright, I'm here with Ian, Ernie Byrne, and uh, we just completely fucked the first <laughs> attempt at recording this pod. Here we go again. <laughs> but here we are, and yeah, man. So, Ernie Byrne, tell us about the origins of this nickname. Well, I didn't really like it. My brother, I came home from the surf one day at point, and I went, I don't know how a bottom hand turn. He goes, it's not a bottom hand turn, it's a bottom turn. And I went, no, it's a bottom hand turn, like a backhand turn. And him and Tony Alfton had gone, bottom hand turn, earn, burn. And then I kept on, like, losing it, and I've gone, earn, burn, we'll never learn. And it just stuck. And then when I knew it really stuck was when my mum called me earn, I just went, oh, I'll give up. Yeah. So anyway, stuck. The moral of that story is just pretend things don't bother you. Yeah, exactly. Otherwise, it'll stick. Oh, so, yeah, stuck. <laughs> Man, and uh, obviously you're a representative of probably the greatest Kiwi surfing and shaping dynasty that's ever been. Your brother, Alan Byrne, contributed so much to both surfing and shaping. Uh, but it all begins at the top of the apple tree with your dad, who introduced mm. you guys to surfing. Back in NZ, I mean, talk us through like the surf scene okay. uh, back in NZ. I mean, when your old man was getting into it and how he ended up into it. Yeah, well, Dad was president of New Zealand Surf Life Saving and then they had these um, film projectors and they saw this footage from Australia of surfing and, and Dad goes, he's really crafty with his hands, went, I'm going to make a board. And he made one, but it had no stringer in it. Made in the backyard. I've got photos of it and... Anyway, Terry and AB would fight over it and the thing would lose its curve during the time of them surfing it. So when they went to school, they put it between two work workhorses and put a Bessa brick on it to put the curve back in. And then the first nationals came up at Mount Monganui in New Zealand and AB won the juniors and Terry won the opens on that board. And then that's when they met Bob Davey and he asked Dad if he wanted um, to do, be the glasser and all that. And that's where Rodney Dalberg and AV were taught to shape by Bob Davey. And that's the start of that part of the chapter. Wow, yeah. I mean, it's an easy thing to overlook when you're growing up in NZ and you're mm. only seeing surfboards on some grainy footage that they need a stringer in them. Yeah, that's right. And the thing was, it was a full experiment. Like, Dad was lucky. Loved doing experiments, so yeah. But yeah, so it was it was pretty cool because Dad ended up being the main glasser there, and and then yeah, Rodney Delberg and AV, which are really good shapers in their own right. So yeah, pretty interesting. I still wasn't even born by that stage. Yeah, so your your brother Alan, who you know, uh, some of our younger listeners might not be aware of, but an, an absolute icon. Uh, of shaping and surfing, innovated the, the channel bottom and, and rode it with great success at huge pipeline. Uh, I understand he used to, you know, make some really good step ups and paddle some of the, mm. the bars and stuff around here on those big cyclone swells, like really one of the greats yeah. and uh, particularly in, in the realm of shaping and shaping and surfing. I mean, as Go hand to hand, if you can, you know, back in the day, yeah. they all did like MR shaped his boards, Simon Anderson shaped his boards. You know, and MP, they all shaped their own boards and it was to suit their style, which is pretty pretty cool. It's so cool. And to test that equipment yeah. at Pipeline in those kinds yeah. of conditions. And if it doesn't work, you're going to hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to learn the hard way. That's right. Uh, but then another name that you mentioned, Rod Dahlberg, you know, probably more associated with Australia, but people often forget that he's from NZ originally yeah. and obviously made a ton of boards for World Tour surfers, Tommy yeah. Witts, Ock, uh, and just that, that classic rolled rail and yeah. just the, the quintessential smooth, high-performance thruster yeah, exactly. uh, for East Coast point breaks and really any kind of good quality conditions. He's an absolute wizard, still based down there at Yamba, churning yeah. out boards for the lucky few who can get onto him. Yeah. And twist his arm. But, uh, yeah, I mean, tell us a bit about growing up uh, in the shadow of, of AB and, and Rod Dahlberg and the like. Well, it was it was pretty classic because there's such a big age difference. It wasn't so much a shadow. It was like, come on, Grom. Come on, do, do this, you know. And I remember one of my first memories was in the 
factory at, at the mount and I was only like four years old and I'm I'm in a sandy bay and making sandcastles and it wasn't sand, it was itchy dust. And I'm like, I start screaming my head off. <laughs> and mum goes, no. what are you doing to them? And I was like, anyway, that was part of it. But it was a pretty good, um, like to have these guys under my, to foil their tutorage and all that. It was pretty amazing to have them, have them there. Fuck. And I miss AB very much, by the way. Yeah, man. Uh, I mean, I guess. Yeah, well, let's work through the, the the good times first before yeah uh, we get there. But so, AB. I mean, he's fifteen years older than you. So by the time you're five years old, he's twenty, and he is well on his A well way. Well-seasoned traveler. Yeah, right? yeah. To talk us through, uh, you know, some of the the characters he was hanging with, and some yeah. of the stories he was coming back he with. Went to I think it was like. 15 or 16 went to there was a world title at San Diego and he ended up with um, Reno Abelera and David Nawahu and they went seeing Jimi Hendrix and Led Zeppelin and then they went to Disneyland and yeah on acid so it was pretty colourful <laughs> what did he say about uh, the experience of seeing Hendrix and Zeppelin oh, life oh he said it was amazing fuck me that, sideways that are you kidding like going for a different like stage in that way as well as surfboards were getting smaller music was just getting like like full on so it was pretty as cool. good as music really got I would Horrific. say that's almost to, the golden to, age yeah and uh, a, a full credit to LSD for <laughs> whatever it did in the mix but I think it did something and uh, yeah, interesting too to know you know Hendrix had that crossover with surfing, eh? Like he mm. he, he did some classic gigs in Hawaii, and uh, pretty sure Mike Ho and uh, a lot of the Hawaiians were at those gigs, hanging with Hendrix, and mm. yeah, you know he he was he was on board with uh, surfing and counterculture. It was all in the mix there, wasn't yeah. it? Greeno and Pink Floyd, just uh, everything. Like you even look at record covers back then, and just all the art and everything was just so original it's not copy it's just original pretty cool mm -hmm. and so uh i mean you're just a, a little kid at this point and ab's off traveling the world like how surreal was that to to were you conscious of it at the time that like your big brother was out there on the absolute pointy end of this insane counterculture that not this, really because i was so young and when he'd come home it was like Everyone, he'd be such a fuss and he's wearing his weird clothes, <laughs> like psychedelic shirts and <laughs> these weird boots and that. I'm just going, what? You've changed, man. <laughs> yeah. And he's on these fad diets and doing all these different things and yeah, he was having fun. Man, I love that. That is so classic. I mean, that's proof... Of what surfing can do to your life, it can change your life in these profound well, he's, ways. He's meeting people from all the way around the different parts of the world, so it's giving them a lot of cultural base. Mm. Before he, yeah, ended up going to the air force. Did he? Yeah. Wow, he went and became a jarhead after well, getting no, on the sit at Hendrix. Well, the same, uh, like heroin came through, and a lot of the crew would get and just went, "I'm out," and just went in the air force. And he'd done that for about four years. And then he's got like short hair and he's got his mo and went in the nationals on his break and ended up winning it. And he goes, I'm going to quit. And it took a lot to quit because um, the amount of money they put into him to train him. Because mm. it, it all came from, because my dad was a, in the Second World War, he was a pilot and navigator in Lancaster bombers. Mm. So there was a thing that AB wanted to fly. That's interesting, yeah, because uh, I'm, what, what did your dad think about that? I mean, people who served in the theatre of war, particularly the big ones, mm. weren't always uh, encouraging of their, their children to go and do the same thing. Was he happy or, or no, not happy? No, he was pretty proud. He was proud? He was happy yeah. that he went. And, and, and did AB end up, uh, you know, flying or, or serving in conflict zones or he didn't get that no, far? No, no, he didn't go that far, like, you know, New Zealand's a pretty neutral country, but at one stage he was flying around the um, Prime Minister of New Zealand. That's about as far as it went. 
No way. He didn't drop one of those uh, old pieces <laughs> of cardboard in his drink, did he, from the old Hendrix Piggy concert? Old Muldoon it was. It was pretty funny. Mate, I remember that- being on TV and mum was like, oh, I'm ringing up all the neighbours. going, oh, son's on TV. <laughs> And what about the crossover between, you know, flying these state-of-the-art military jets and shaping? Was he influenced by... I, I think so. There's a lot with hydrodynamics and aerodynamics. And there was definitely, like, I remember Dad carving these huge boomerangs and teaching me the way you tilt this and it makes it go that way, this way. There's a lot what our dad taught us in that way. Yeah, that's fascinating. That's pretty, pretty cool. That's high-end shit, man. That makes sense. And so when did the, the channel bottom come on the scene? Was, it, was that after that period of, of being uh, no, well, in the Air No, well, other people had already been doing it for a long time. And AV, and it was Cole Smith who was doing it, and um, Pollard, and uh, Phil Myers and like. But AV, what he did is redefine it to himself. Like, they were quite long channels, mm. what these other people doing, is he brought it back to your back foot, so it just reacted back there. So that you didn't have to stand forward or back, you could just bang it off your back foot. So it's just about redefining things. You always taught me if you're going to shape something, put it in an extreme to feel it and then pull it back. And if it doesn't work, piss it off. I love that. Wow, that's that's really profound Mm. advice. So talk to us about your own surfing and shaping journey. I mean, you've got the ultimate mentor in Alan, uh, you know, traveling the world, bringing back design concepts. Yeah. I imagine his, his surfing level through this period just went fucking through the roof. Mm. And so at which point uh, did you begin to, you know, carve your own trail through surfing? Well, I, I started getting into surfing and, yeah, one New Zealand title and then I was mum and dad made us all go through to university entrance and I was going to be a marine a biologist and then AV come across he goes do you want to learn shape come back over with me and I went okay and mum and dad like oh no another surf bum in the family <laughs> but um came over here and AV just really did take me on his wing of um going to Hawaii and meeting so many colourful people like Mickey Nelson stayed with him for wow. so many years. What was that like? Interesting. Fuck it. He's a fucking he's, you know what? And him and Marvin Foster, like I've become really good friends with Marvin and sadly he's passed away. But um and Squiddy. And but it was really eye opening and it tested me. I remember on the flight over he goes, I've spent over twenty years building my reputation boys are going to put you in you'll get one chance if you don't do it you're not a burn i nearly vomited over the plane that's a bit of pressure yeah a little bit but anyway well, end, when you say put you in what do you mean like give you a shot boys at, are going to give pipe. me a go at like at sunset they're going to paddle me in like and if i don't take it yeah that's it one shot okay now and did you is that how it ended up uh panning out did, did end up doing it so talk us like, through that session. What was that like? like? Fuck. Well, I set out. It was like first arrived in North Shore, and Brian Strat's going. I want that board, but it was one of mine. I was riding AB's boards at this stage. I was only like nineteen, and um, yeah, we get there and we go surfing, and I'm AB goes. It's picking up. Ride your seven six, and by the time. At the end of that night, I thought I'd ridden the biggest waves I've ever ridden in my life. And I'm walking back up and then I to Mickey's place and I hear this guy go, it's picking up, bruh. It's like six feet. I'm like, what? And I'll get there and Mickey's like, what are you riding that board? And I went, how big do you think it is? I went, six foot. And he goes, I'll wake you up when it's 10 feet, Hawaiian style, bruh. And the next morning it was. And get out there. And I sat out the back, freaking out for about two hours and not catching anything. And then I turned around and I was pretended there was two lines on each side and I pretended to paddle for it and it was a set wave. Next thing we got A.B., Mum, Foster, Mickey Nelson and I've just, yeah, go! And the two lines peeled off and then it was like surreal of that thing. This is your moment. You've got to go. And Mickey already told me, 
When you take it, take it next three strokes. And when you take off, crouch because you'll lift up. And I'm like, it was like being in a, you know, in a car accident and everything goes slow. Anyway, mate, I came out at the end of, through the channel and I'm shaking. <laughs> wow. But then that was the start of it. And it was like, yeah, it was, yeah. And then went 12 times with AB. It was a beautiful journey. Man, give us a bit of insight or, or history of Mickey Nielsen because, uh, I mean... I, and Derek I, too. Derek Doiner was a... Double D. Piece. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, these guys were as big a names uh, yeah. as, as any Hawaiian at the time. And to this day, if you're Hawaiian, but, uh, mm. you know, a lot of Australians will never have heard of uh, these characters. Uh, I mean, especially if they're younger listeners. But give us an idea of the kind of status and, and some of the achievements of, of Mickey and Marvin. Yeah. Marvin was just like such a natural talent. And Mickey just charged. He was just go-ho. And then you got Derek, who just full 100% waterman. Um, all unique in their own character. Um, yeah, just really lucky to have been a part of that that journey. Mm. And like Mickey and Marvin, like hardcore Hawaiian enforcers back yeah. in the day too. <laughs> yep. So good guys. Yeah, interesting that you were on their good side. Or, it was a wild west back then. Yeah, it was. I can, uh, you know, I, uh, I've heard some pretty wild stories. I think TB telling me something about, yeah, Mickey uh, freaking him out with a gun once, just just this grommet abuse, just like, yeah. Yeah, I've seen <laughs> some stuff I don't really want to say, but anyway. Yeah, I probably shouldn't have said that, Mark, to cut nah, that. Mickey's but, uh, really... It was a piss yeah, take. It was a good gag. Good on you, Mickey. Well played. Mickey, he's been through such a journey and done his time, but he's such a beautiful human. Like, if you're on the right side of him, he, he'll look after you so good. And how did you guys end up on the right side? Because, I mean... I, that's I, through AB. So that's why AB was saying to me on that plane ride, I've made my... All these years of building my thing with all these people. If you stuff up, you're out. <laughs> so that's what it was about. Yeah. That's so cool. Which is a good point. Like, I realised that later at the time. I just wanted to... I can't believe on the air, on the airplane they give you a paper bag to spew on. But anyway... Um, <laughs> yeah, so right around that time, I mean, uh, we're just coming out of, or well, when AB is going there, it's right around the whole busting down the door saga. Yeah. But I guess the oh, so a bit after it's like in the early eighties when early I was 80s. going. Yeah, so I guess Kiwi's got a free pass, huh? Like that, to that a certain that's, degree. That's when you step back and but go. Anyone who fucks up, they're in deep shit. They'll yeah. punch your fins out and, and then knock your teeth out or something. Mm. That was back then. It's, it's totally different now. Yeah, too many camera phones. Yeah, exactly. Interesting, man. And so from that point, uh, moving forward, like you end up spending a, a lot of time in Hawaii. Like how big of, uh, how, how big of an influence did, did that part of the world have well, on you? Well, the thing was that when I started to um, shape and all that, it was really, really fundamental part of me being a shaper because... If something didn't go right, you had to learn how to do it or else you like really hurt yourself. My first channel bottom I made out there and it was like 10 to 12 sunset west and it cavitated on a bottom turn. I just got slammed, um, yeah, rib cartilage off my, yeah, it was just, so you learn and you go, okay, this is where the problem is. And But I was lucky to have the AV and to go through that with me as well and t teach me that. But, you know, it's like every shape. You're only as good as the last board you shape. You can still do mistakes. And that's why I think it keeps shapers um, humble and to always trying to progress. Mm. And, yeah, talk us through, yes, yeah, some of the design principles that you learned during the, those early trips to the North Shore and how that kind of shaped uh, your future designs. Well... There was a thing I learned with a longer board, you still want to be able to turn it in the pocket. So you, you tend to flip it from the back fin out. Whereas when you, so you have a board that you want to harness speed and you have a board that you want to produce speed. And to produce speed, you have a bit more thickness in the tail and that's more grubbling boards. And you have a straighter rocket coming out the tail. 
but then with the yeah like with the guns and that you have a kick so there's and then there's so many different variables there yes it's yeah infinity of different variables yeah i love that really is that's the that's what keeps you coming back right exactly and uh yeah, any particularly magic boards from that period uh, that you made yourself or that AB made for you or that AB made for himself that you rode? Like anything well, that sticks out? when you walked in today, that one out the front, it was an AB and that's a magic carpet ride. And Talk us through the, the, the dimensions and what's gone into that. That was in the like, early 90s and it's got so much nose kicking and it looks like a banana, but um, the rest of it. It just certain boards you can't describe why and how that board is such a magic cover. You try and reproduce it. I don't know if it's a weight distribution of the foam or the glassing or where you feel that day when you're shaping it, but um, you just have magic carpet. And where was that board written? That one there. It was actually. AB made it for one of my friends that I used to sh- we shared shaping boards from, and he sadly passed. And yeah, I got given that as a present, and I started surfing and went, "Whoa, this thing's amazing!" And I've surfed up at the spit on the outside reef at about 10, 10 feet, and yeah, just it's like an all rounder. I can ride it in three foot. You know, it's just one of those boards. Mm. Just wants to glide and turn hmm. back to hawaii talk to us about just some of the the most magic surfing that you, you witness go down there one of the most magic days is thornton flander and um pipeline masters was on and ab was in that and thornton goes stay with me and it was like one of those beautiful blue skies and it's west and it's like 10 feet like 10 feet and just hitting the reef so good and Thornton and Thornton's such a good surfer I guess come with me and we're just getting these cathedrals and there was only like eight of us out and Abe only admitted to me (laughs) just before he died he goes I was so proud of you and Thornton of you that day walking back from Pipe Masters because he'd get grumpy when he'd dud out and uh, like he got the sammies and he came back so cranky Fuck. Oh, anyway, um, but yeah, it was. That's one of my most magical things. Was like just standing in these cathedrals and coming out in the channel. And that that was the the morning of the pipe comp. Yep. And what was it like watching AB compete in events like that? I mean, far out. That's the the top of the pipe. Still stands oh, up I to this day. Like, I don't like watching him compete. You get too angry before you go out. <laughs> the stress and nerves oh i just yeah oh i've i was always like super proud of them but yeah just when it comes to i've always known people before they go out in the heat just to leave them alone mm. that's why i'm not really into comps and that i think it takes away from the thing of surfing yeah it definitely extracts a lot of the yeah. joy from it there's yeah. just that pressure you know, have someone judge you and then you, like you even see now, like you go, oh, how do you get that score? Like who's to say that you got that score? So anyway, I'm getting too political now. <laughs> yeah, we kind of skipped ahead a bit too. Like back to your days in New Zealand, like talk to us about the surf scene there. What was going on? I mean, your dad, like when he was making boards, was there anyone else even even surfing or like shaping boards in there? Yeah, that no, point? there was. There's quite that. The, all of a sudden, accelerated like really quickly. And the next thing, there was people in Taranaki and like Auckland, all different places started doing it really quick. But um, it was Bob Davies, like originally from Australia, and he came over and he had all the ideas. So yeah, it really did accelerate really quickly apparently and what years were these um well i was born in 1965 oh bastard um so that would have been early uh, late 60s or early 70s they would just start going 
And what do you think, you know, I guess AB and, and Rod and, and yourself, although you're a bit younger, like, you know, what do these guys do for Kiwi surfing in general? Like, if you look at it now, like their legacy and influence over it, how big was that? Yeah, it was really big. But the thing was back then, and like I think it's semi going back through it now to a certain degree, there's not, there wasn't a lot of money in it to like compete you you were funding yourself so it was more for the, like just grow some marijuana and f- smoke a joint and go surf and be happy mm. it was like retelling um going against the government and all that kind of stuff yeah to totally. a certain degree yeah yeah it was very much a yeah a counterculture and there was a lot of persecution that went on i mean yeah there was time. in australia anyway yeah so it was this kind of the same scene, same scene. in NZ, the fucking yeah. wallopers trying to turf all the shit out of your car for the roach yeah. of a joint and lock you up. Yeah. And if you had surfboards on the roof, you know, they were mm. pulling you over, guaranteed. Yeah. Fucking jarheads, punishing. <laughs> yeah, typical. And um, so at what age does, does AB move to Burley or the Ooh. Goldie, roughly? How old were you at that point? Wait a minute. Because um, AB was just going, like, flashing between America to Hawaii and then come back to New Zealand, boom, Australia, boom. But I think his main thing when he first came to Australia, he worked for Burford Blanks mm. and then went to Hot Stuff. And that would have been... Oh, poor hell, is probably going to go... Um, mid-70s, I think? Or... Like seventy eight or something, something around that that time. Pretty sure. Okay, and so he leaves. Does that leave a, a big gap in in your life? Like because you're not. Old. I didn't see him very much. Yeah, I didn't see him. Like there'd be sometimes I wouldn't have seen him for five years. Yeah. Wow. Really. Yeah. And That's then crazy. all of a sudden he comes back and he's this little grom that's full of. Um, New Zealand meat pies and donuts and just put on like so much weight. <laughs> and he's like, well, so yeah, it was pretty interesting. But yeah, there's times I wouldn't see him for like two, two to, to five years. And your parents were, uh, were adamant that he, or that both of you go to university and. All of us went, we had to go through to a certain stage of school before we could leave school. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, that was, he's right. Because Dad always said, he goes, you leave school, that's it. You're in the workforce. Mm. Made the most of it. Mm. You got girls at school. Mm. I'm with it. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I don't know if this made it into the second attempt at doing this podcast or not. But uh, so instead of going to uni, AB gives you the opportunity to, to come over to The reason, another thing is also by him doing that university thing he was able to go in the air force at at age of 22 22 when he joined the air yeah, force which is really unusual usually it comes straight out of um high school and university at like 19 but he studied that hard he ended up topping the class in every subject wow that's and fascinating up, um i remember going down to his graduation i was down in christchurch and his Pretty smooth old AB. He was going, yeah, he, he was um, the air commodore. He's going out with her daughter and... Ah, oh, well but, played. Yeah, and he was like the leader of one of the squadrons. So his dad was just chuffed. And there's photos I've got of AB getting his wings and there's photos I've got my dad getting his wings. Yeah, because your dad uh, served in World War Two yeah. as well, you were saying, uh, yeah. part of the, the Lancaster bombers and... Um, yeah, that's man, that's wild. So twenty two, like by this stage, when AB joins the Air Force, he's already travelled the world surfing, mm. and then he comes back and joins the military, mm. which is like you talk about, you know, because when the Miss Asia thing was going through Mount Maunganui, because it's one of the biggest shipping ports, so there's all heroin and stuff coming through, mm. and he just went, "I'm out, I'm going, I'm going to join." I'm going to I'm going to go military. That's so crazy. So it ripped a hole in the surf scene Jeez, that bad. I'll probably open a 
can of worms there, but anyway, that's the way it was. Oh, it is what it is. Yeah, it is. And I don't think it's controversial. The same exact same thing yeah. happens here in Australia. And uh, yeah, my hometown Bondi got ravaged by the junk, mate. Yeah. Uh, and it's there's still memorial comps. You know, I'll go yeah. down for to this day uh, for people who passed during that period, 80s, yeah. 90s. Um, but interesting to note that he felt so strongly about the uh scourge of, of smack in the surf yeah. scene that he fucking barred surfing all all together to get away from yeah. it that's, yeah that's why just went bam and it was like i can actually remember it because it was like i've actually got him home for once and he was doing a part of his course it was to sculpture like a plane and he just done it through like my dad and that could whittle and I've been taught to do that too. It's like just carve things. And, but yeah, it was, it was, yeah, it was pretty special times actually when I look back at it. Yeah. And apologies if we're retracing yeah, the same sorry. ground because I literally can't remember when uh, we were talking about the fucking military story. But we were having that yarn that like uh, the, yeah, the the influence of aerodynamics and hydrodynamics yeah. that that definitely played a role in in, in shaping so. Alan's understanding of, of yeah, making boards for sure. Because it's like you think about fins and that you have the leading edge and then it's like bulky at the front and then foils out like a aer- back of an aeroplane wing. Mm. And there's yeah a lot of similarities, but there's also so much room to try different things that just sometimes out of a mistake becomes something great mm. i'm glad we're, we're really canvassing ab's life because obviously yeah. he's not here to to do it himself yeah. um so i thought when i come up here to to chat with you and do this part that was a big part of it was just to you know celebrate one of these forgotten yeah. heroes of uh, new zealand and australian and, and world surfing and shaping um so after the Air Force, he comes here, uh, and then at which point? Then straight away after it, he because he'd done the, the so many years, and it took a few years for him to be able to get out of the Air Force. Because you imagine how much money they've inducted into him become a pilot. Mm. And then, yeah, how do you get out? How do you score a dishonorable no, you, discharge? You don't just. Yeah, it took a long time, and then do do you do the old uh the old you know wipe the peanut butter no, what in your bum crack and then go into court a, and if something eat it? came up there was a war or whatever that they'd have to he'd be called straight back up. Right. But the thing was, he you're on loan to surfing on, AB. Don't get any ideas, mate. If it kicks off, you straight back in. When he was on told, and then when he finally got out, he turned around, he went to Hawaii, and came second at Pipeline Masters. Wow. And he was like, that's it. Fuck, I bet he pegged those wings straight to the Waimea <laughs> River after that. <laughs> uh, that's wild. So how often are you able to surf, you reckon, when, you, when you're in the Air Force? Are you, uh, I was only on leave. But then so at you, one point he didn't. He just, he just... But what happened is he got his wings and everything. And what he said that ruined it was all of them were just sitting in mess clubs and they're just drinking and stuff and smoking cigarettes and i couldn't believe it one time i've seen it like he's got a packet of um benson and just smooth and i'm just going whoa my brother smokes shit and then he just went he's going i'm getting fat i'm just don't do any service i'm all i'm doing is sitting in a mess hall like with the boys at a bar drinking so he just went i'm out Mm. I got more in me than that. Yeah, I reckon. Yeah, and that is such a good point that you make. Like the the investment into him, mm. that is a lot of money. Like yeah. so, they Huge don't. Amount. Yeah, they don't. They don't want to lose that. Mm. And it's such a gnarly one for for AB. He's gone in there with the best of intentions, you know, to follow the footsteps of his dad. But mm. it's just not all that it's cracked up to be. So AB's like, a bit like that though. I remember when I was young. He'd come over and go, nah, you don't wear leg ropes. So my boys never had, like, a leg rope holder or anything. And then he came back three years later. He's wearing a leg rope and it's only three foot at the mount. And I'm like, you said... He goes, no, nah, but you catch more waves. And I'm like... So everyone... Had, what do you do with me quiver, mate? Yeah, what are you doing, None mate? of them got a plug in it. So then I'm like, wow. 
And then it's just single fins, no thrusters, no, no. And then when Simon came out with thruster, all of a sudden it's thrusters. I'm like, I don't think I'm going to listen to you anymore. <laughs> I'm going to do my own thing. <laughs> oh, fully. So when, Tough love, it was. Yeah, what was the dynamic like between you? Like, was he, uh, you know, did, did he... Did he used pretty to, tough on me. Yeah. Like, we'd, yeah, we had a fight on Christmas Day at Mum and Dad's with everyone in front. Dad broke that one up and then Mum and Dad's... Did you get a couple on him? Nah, not that one, but I got him a good one at Mum and Dad's 50th wedding anniversary at the Marriott. I actually got him and nailed him to the ground and got... The bouncer split us up and then I thought, oh God, I'm in so much shit. And Dad came up to me and shook my hand. He goes, been waiting for that for years, son. <laughs> Classic. But that's the way we grew up. Yeah. The Wild West. And so when do you relocate out here? So you, so AB offers you the chance to, to do a bit of a, a shaping uh, apprenticeship underneath him instead mm. of going to uni and studying marine biology. So you come out to Oz. Uh, and That's where Mount Woody took me out. Or like Nick took me under his thing and goes, no, nah, come do some shaping. Now I worked for, for them for 36 years. And now all of a sudden come to a point where, nah, I'm going to do my own thing. And I called the house burn. And it's like it just the whole thing is... Respect for my brother, and it's for Jamie Byrne, it's for Dale Wilson, who does, he's kept Bernie Spears going, um, my son, my brothers, my dad, everything. So it's the House of Byrne. Yeah, and you got an interesting story about the, the origins of the House of Byrne. You, you... Oh, yeah. What happened is me and my son, my son's a... Who like, fucking rips, by the way? How the, satisfying um, is that? And you're a granddad yeah, to two. Oh, to two, I'm a granddad. Woo! Can give him back. That's so good. Um, so anyway, um, Jake, we started doing these twin fins, and he goes, "What did you ride when you were young?" And I went, "Curve Channel Twenties." He goes, "Let's modify it." So that's a good thing about. So we'd have Saturday afternoons. We'd have a beer and come up with crazy little things, and we started surfing up the abs and this older guy was there and we're me and jake were dropping in on each other and doing crossovers and this guy goes went up to jake not to me but goes up to him and goes wow you i know you guys are the but he goes you should call that the house of burn and jake goes dad it's the house of burn i went what okay you do you design the logo so that's where it all started so yeah it's been a good little journey yeah, that's fascinating, man. And, you know, the, the resurgence of the twin is also pretty yeah. interesting. I mean, it was on the scrap heap for a good 20 years, mm. but it's come back with gusto uh, in the last, I don't know, five to 10. Mm. And, uh, I mean, yeah, talk to us about your history with, with twin fins and, and, you know, why you think that design is valid, it, it, where you think it belongs, what kind of conditions. Is it more valid than the thruster? Well, what I do find is... You ride a board for so much time and it governs yourself to a certain degree. Like quads will make you draw every turn out. And then all of a sudden, if you jump on the thrust, you'll go vertical because you've got that pivot fin. But then if you go to a twin fin, you get... It's amazing how much drag is caused by the center fin, but you still want that hold. That's why I really pinched rail out in the last part of the tail and put the curved channels in because it allows you to go vertical again. But, you know, if I, the next day I went out and rode a thrust, i go, oh, this feels good. And it's about just mixing it up, I reckon. You know? And we, got, we skipped it. We it's skipped not like this is it. It's like, no, this is a different version. It's good. Yeah, it's important to, to have that versatility yeah. in your quiver. Uh, I mean, or else it gets boring. I'm Absolutely. Just going like shit. I'm going, oh shit. I'm doing a different turn. Whoa. I'm I'm stoked again. Mm. Yeah. It, it was interesting to see both Fanning and Parker, you know, post World Tour career, all they wanted to do was ride twins. Yeah. Uh, you know, just got to go super fast, yeah. flowy that surfing. So fast. And uh yeah, just that feel that that rhythm and, and flow in a different way, having been mm. forced for decades yeah. to go vertical and you, rip off a thousand yeah, ratchety all, turns they're all doing 
they govern everyone to surf the same way and you see it like you know all riding the same boards you're all going to do a similar turn because they actually make you turn that way but um yeah it's just good to mix things up Mm, yeah proof of concept too of just to see guys of that stature Mm. come back and and just really relish surfing i mean on that actually said that to me um even that single because he's won the single fin which i do the first prize for and He's won the Burley single fin, epic yeah. event. Shout out to uh, go the, the Burley, Burley board riders and the the House of Burn crafts that but, you um, make as the trophy. He, amazing. He um he goes yeah, it was just a point of difference. Like it was like had all his thickness, but he got barrel off his head at Kira, and then I done him a curve channel, and he just goes whoa. It's like then it, the more you push these ones, the more it pushes back. Mm. So. You try and nurse it and the thing will get that much speed up on you and you're like a, riding a runaway shopping trolley. It's, it's like, really like that. You I just feel, got to give it to it right from the start. Yeah, if you get a pump in, uh, you're making pretty much any tube on earth, yeah. it feels like. And you only really need one pump. And the, the magic of the twin is that it does give you that early entry into the wave like mm. a single fin would. They kind of paddle like a single fin and, yeah. and go like a quad, uh, but faster even. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, I mean, it's been amazing to see the kind of well, surfing. Well, I've done that, did that one for Vaughan, and then the next thing he's telling me he's running as a thruster. I'm like, no, it's meant to be a twin fin. But anyway, he loved it in either way. So this shows you, you think you've got something that's meant to be this, but then it's, it's not, which is good. So you arrived on the Gold Coast, uh, what, what age roughly? 19, 18. Just finished, yeah, 18, just about turned 19. And who were the apex predators at that point in the surfing world? Ooh, out in the surf at Burley. Yeah, I mean, wherever you were surfing during those days. Well, I was you surfing know. mainly Burley, but I had, there's Doris, which was Tony Alfredton, and yeah, there's Guy Omrod, and I just got my ass faded by them for a quite a while, but then I'd learnt my, got my respect slowly but surely. Um, Peter Harris was always really polite to me. Um, yeah, there's a, yeah, it's an interesting crew, a pecking order. Yeah. You earn your rights, and I realised that, you know, I just, like, sat back a bit, and, yeah, you let yourself into talking rather than trying to be a little shit. And do you remember, you know, just seeing the point turn on for the first time, like getting a, a full-on eyeful of what that joint could do and yeah. how much of a revolution? I didn't must even really know what to do with it because I'd grown up in New Zealand where you could just hit the lip and the boys reckon they were sitting on the point just, and they'd sit down and go, oh, let's just watch them. And I'd come off the bottom where I should be setting up a barrel and try and do a vertical reentry and just get exploded out into the flats and they're going oh this is so funny but no one would tell me and i'm like and i'm like oh, what's going on and then i'd go and do the barrel thing and i'm too far out in front and i'm like this and then i finally got boys went nah come on come here and it was about i actually was after why that actually really taught me to do it just to not be worried about getting crunched and so, is AB working at Mount Woodgate at this point as well? Nah, nah. He was he done some work for for Nick years and years ago when it was up the farm, but he was hot stuff, and then he went out on his own, which was Benny Spears. And so, you do some uh, you know shaping under AB, but then you get the hook up at Woodgate, and when you're at at Woodgate, like Gil Glover actually w- w- was working at Woodgate, and he actually taught me like a lot now i was really lucky i had like mark rabbage because i started doing some boards for his son he he taught me a lot man rabbage is a maestro i mean people people forget that he made yeah. Curran the board uh in searching with tom Curran the j bay board yeah, uh, that th- i think it was a, a six six but just it's good to have it like you take a piece out of each shaper and to suit your style because yeah ab and i but ambidextrous, like I write with my left hand, but I throw off my right, and he wrote 
with his right but through of his left so we've got that thing which is kind of good but um just to see different styles of different shapers and just take a piece here piece there boom what suits you wow and then the other one was ronnie woodward and crazy bastard and then yeah like pat ross and i've seen her and yeah there's been quite a few shapers over the time huge names yeah very lucky and what kind of boards were you know how did the gold coast influence your your shaping journey what what were the boards and, and the design uh ideas coming out of here at that point that servers pumping that much that go fast and the thing were that time was like I wanted a board that just project that much speed because once you've got speed, the board loosens up. I don't want a board that wick whack. I'd rather do two big turns and five wick whacked, like, you know, like, <laughs> and but you get this board that you can just get trust with and then you take off and you actually hold it and feel the thing loading up and then boom, you're in front of the section. And that's such an adrenaline rush. Yeah, there's an amazing shot. I'm just looking at it now uh, from a surf mag. It's proper, like, I don't know how big you're calling that, eight foot at least, burly. And uh, you're on a self-made mount. First board ever made. Looks like an ironing board. That's the first board you ever made? Yeah, first board ever shaped. Really? Yeah. So you're 18 in that clip, in that photo? 19. 19. Wow. And uh, I understand you had a bit of a falling See out. short shorts? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Pretty much a G-banger, man. Are you serious? <laughs> and uh, yeah, tell us about this, this shot, man. It's an iconic photo. It says unidentified in it, but uh, mm. it's definitely you. And It's pretty interesting because in ADB had a little bit of an um, altercation coming back from Hawaii and he sold all my balls that he'd shaped for me. So that's when I went to Nick and shaped some boards. And Nick goes, gave me 11 reject blanks. And he goes, the best one out of these, we'll glass it together. Anyway, I've done it. And then where the service station used to be, where they're going to put Dirty Rotten Tram. Um, we, I'm walking down there and Burley's pumping. I see AB and he goes, oh, you already got Nick shaping your board. And I went, no, I shaped it. And he goes, because look. Took it out of my hands. He goes, it's going to cavitate. It's going to do this. I went, I ain't even surfed it yet. And then went out and it did exactly what it said. <laughs> but I actually learned how to surf it. I just knew that I couldn't leave it in line for too long or else it would start, the tail would drift out. Anyway, luckily I snapped it a week later. But anyway, about a month later, AB walked into my shape and bag. He goes, well, you finally got a center spread. Um, center spread but it's got unidentified written on it and just thrown on the floor. And we, yeah, we didn't talk for about for a couple of years, but then we realised we've got differences and wouldn't let that become between us again. I was a smartest little grom too, by the way. <laughs> True. So at which point, yeah, so AB, I'm, I'm struggling to keep track of the, the ages that you're at, but you know, what's his journey from that point? And, uh, you know, how do your paths diverge and, and interweave? Well, that was that was a breaking point because he wanted me to go Bernie Spears with him. But then when we had that altercation, I I went with Mount Woogie and we become friends again and we still we started going back to Hawaii together. And, but AB was through that thing of Bernie Spears went like through the roof there was all clothing this guy took it over like a brand manager and that but um they got ripped them off because he didn't write write the right things down so yeah it's interesting era that is an interesting era i've got a, a close friend going through something similar uh with his shaping label let's just say that where it's uh, on the cusp of blowing up or has blown up and then as soon as it does inevitably you get people who come up and suck a fish that sidle mm. up next to you and uh, you know make you these deals that you can't refuse but you know being a surfer uh, it's unlikely you're going to be 
across the fine print and the, the mm. legal legal exactly. kind of shit and inevitably when push comes to shove you realize fuck like i actually don't have a a leg to stand on legally here and this guy's fully duped me oh I, yeah he and oh, was, yeah it wasn't really good for him and like he and up yeah it's yeah, it personal but the guy was yeah the court thing the lawyers are the worst ones out of all of it they're just nasty but anyway, we shouldn't probably go there. Nah, that's fascinating though that it, it went as far as court and like far out. Man, he must have felt so out of his depth at that point. What the fuck am I doing here? Yeah. Coughing up a... I want to go surfing. Yeah, exactly. I'm coughing up a, a, a thousand bucks an hour to some cunt in a wig. Yeah, I know. What a stitch up. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so House of Burn, when exactly? I mean, so when you worked at Woodgy for 36 years... So when did you go out on your own, and, and House what prompted of that? Been three years. Wow. Okay. It's only new. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Interesting. But uh, I mean, fire! You got some runs on the board already. Well, all the crew have been like, there's so many people. I, I, yeah. Sorry if I've left anyone out, but everyone been so supportive of me. Like, especially like the Burley crew, they've just gone whoa, and then. It, the, it's like a ripple stone thing because I had TNC approach me and then I just had another um, company approach and that. So it's just opened the doors for me. Whereas when I was at Woody, it sort of pigeonholed me. Mm. Oh, that's that's interesting, man. Yeah, mm. so... Everyone's going, I've been telling you to do this for 10, 20 years and I wasn't ready. I'm ready now. Mm. Better late than never. Good time to jump on board the House of Burn train before it blows <laughs> up and you have a, an order roll that's going out the front door. So, uh, yeah, I'd encourage all the swellings to get on one. I've just picked one up. They look fucked up. Can't wait to try uh, try that. What do you call them? The, the curved channel bottoms? Curved channel 20. Yeah. And the whole, yeah, whole principle is that you can have a board that's a bit longer, a bit more foam, so you're pedaling really easily but the curve just well you think about a curve it just makes you want to go up the, up the face so it almost feels like you've got a ball bearing on your back foot so it's a good feeling that's exciting but you've got this yeah drive at the same time so yeah and uh yeah what what is your specialty what's your, your favorite thing to to make at this point they are but they're a lot of work <laughs> but you know no i do I love it when I see them finished and I go, yeah, I feel very proud. But yeah, the curve channels are probably my... And the thing is I can do them in thrusters, I do them in 20s, just all sorts. Mm. It's like I said, yeah, it's an infinite amount of different things you can do. That's what keeps it exciting. Mm. Yeah. And I, I imagine that was a big attraction of stepping away from Woogie and yeah. starting your own label, not constrained whatsoever. Yeah. It's really up to you and, and yeah. the customer. And it was like people ask me, like, you know, you have a lot of shapers and they go, oh, how long did it take you to do this? And I'm like, I don't put a time on it. It's finished when it's finished. And if I'm not in the mood, I walk out and take my dog to the beach and go for a paddle or something, you know. So it's I just want to put all my everything into what I'm doing, which is a nice feeling. Amazing, man. Well, uh, yeah, thanks so much for, for your time. No and uh, Thank you. Obviously, yeah, a, a massive shout-out to AB wherever he is. Yeah, He's yeah. up there. He's um, found a bar and he's drinking drinking a beer. Back on the Benson and Hedges, you reckon? Nah, no way. He quit them. No, he's back on the Sid. I'm sure he's hanging he out with Jimmy getting, and <laughs> might, the crew. Might be having a cone or two. <laughs> I hope so. Save one for me, AB. <laughs> Thank you.